Welcome everybody to Haven of Horror. This is episode 17. Uh, we are discussing, I think, this takes the crown now as most recent horror films uh, that we've done on the channel. Ready or Not from two years ago. I can't believe it's been two years already. And uh, The Hunt, which came out last year and threw everybody for a, a, into a fit. Um, everybody. Apparently 50% of people liked it. No, I mean, we'll, we'll get into it, but there was like a yeah. big controversy with that film. Um, I would say, I guess just do it in release order. So we'll start with Ready or Not. Um, I guess, because there's no real announcements this week other than this is the first day of our new schedule. Uh, it's going to work out best for everybody. Uh, I know Milton's happy about it. He doesn't have to be up until like one o'clock in the morning anymore. It does help a little bit, all of that. If we had continued with Wednesday, I would have anyway. Yeah. I just it was it was more practical to do it on Saturday. So we hope to see you all there. Um see here. Uh to anybody who's listening to this on Spotify or Anchor or any of the other platforms we are on, we are doing amazingly there. Uh we're almost at hundred listens overall. Uh so thank you guys for that. And we hit twenty subs on YouTube. Uh, now we just got to get the Twitch channel up there. Um, the Resident Evil Village playthrough is coming eventually. Uh, I just got to get Milton to like stop having a life. <laughs> um, and we are, of course, working hard at the Buffy review. Um, and then I'm not going to make any promises, but I noticed that American Horror Story was on Prime. So it it'd probably be after Buffy, but I'd like to... Maybe do a video on season one and see how it goes from there because I've never seen any of that show. Uh, I've seen all of season few. one and a, and a little bit of season two. Um, okay, I've seen half of season one, but I was a teenager and was like, "This is dumb." There's no like mass killers and it's a ghost story. Um, but yeah, those those are the big announcements. Uh, Buffy's come. Buffy season three is coming, and probably after we finish Buffy, we might try some American Horror Story. If it's still on Prime, if there's enough to talk about there, um, why don't you start by telling us about Ready or Not, and then we will go from there. Ready or Not, it's about an hour. Essentially, it's the story of a young bride, uh, recently married, who enters into this rather eccentric family that has become rather wealthy based on their. Um, their board game IPs, as well as a mysterious past related to a particular family member who possibly and actually definitely made a pact with the devil or some sort of outside force that basically made the family really wealthy. And now the family basically has to commit to sacrificing people who seek to enter the family through marriage. Enter in our, our protagonist. Um, played by Samara Weaving. Yeah, Samara Weaving, who um, gets exposed to all this craziness and has to deal with it as best as she can. Uh, Samara, just side note, real quick, Samara Weaving's fucking awesome. Oh, yeah, uh, definitely. I love her and everything I've seen her in. Uh, Milton, do you know who she's related to? Uh, Hugo Weaving? Yes, she is his niece. Um, but yeah, so uh, like uh, this is my third or fourth time watching it. Uh, this movie, I probably would never have seen this except for uh, I'd heard some good reviews, and 
I had some downtime during quarantine, you know, like everyone else did. Uh, so I went through a bunch of horror movies with her in it. She's she's been in quite a few. Uh, she's also in Ash vs. Evil Dead, which we will cover at some point in the future. Um, uh, this is one of her best. Uh, and this... She is, she is, I think, cemented herself as a screen queen at this point. Um, that would be fair to say, yeah. At some point, we'll have to do the babysitter films, which are also pretty good. What? But yeah, I'd say this movie, this is a very fun movie. It's a movie that doesn't pretend to be anything more than its its premise. It tries to develop enough of it. It gives us a bit of comedy, well, dark comedy as well, along with the action. There is an outside force that we can take seriously. A lot of these other antagonists that we understand are dangerous, but we can also recognize are very human. Um, our protagonist is not annoying, thankfully. It's easy for a lot of these protagonists um, to develop like rather poorly and get rather annoying in this kind of setting, but it actually pulls it off pretty well. Um, yeah. yeah, and the other thing to note, and the other reason I watched this, these the directors of this film, I believe it had two. Uh, they're like a team or some shit. Um, yes, but um, that, would, that would be Matt uh, Bettinelli, uh, Olpin, and Tyler Gillett. They are doing Scream Five, and after seeing this film, I'm really excited for Scream Five. I can't remember. Were you with us when we watched Scream? Uh, yes, I was. Okay. Okay, yeah. I, I'm really. <coughs> oh man! Uh, nah, you're good. Or it's all good. Um, like I said, I was scarfing down some poop before, and it just apparently went down my own pipe. But anyway, I'm excited to get to those. But we got to co- cover some like classic slashers before we get to screen, because it's a whole thing. But anyway, I'm getting it off top. Um, so yeah, this feels very old school to me, right? Where you have this character, we know just enough about them to get the story rolling, and then it just keeps going for the entire 90 runtime. Uh, I, I, I think this movie's a breath of fresh air amongst the, like, super serious, because you got those, you know, like, the conjuring and shit like that that's, like, calculated, jump scare, serious, and then you get something like ready or not, which is just a fun time, but it's still a horror movie because you're still scared for the protagonist. Because at least for me personally, I really like her and I want to see her survive. But the directors and writers know that we have to see that she is vulnerable, and they put her through insane levels of shit in this movie. <laughs> so, what what was your overall? I mean, you gave a little bit, but. How did you feel mostly about Ready or Not, other than just it was fun? Well, um, at the beginning, I wasn't exactly sure, because I could see the premise of this. It reminded me of another film that I had seen, like, a year prior. I forget what it was called, but just based on how it was filmed, I wasn't exactly sure how I would feel about it. And then once we got to the action, yeah, I was definitely into it. It kept a very, very consistent and fast pace, which definitely helped the movie quite a bit. Um, it wasn't character heavy, but we got enough of it to the point where I could say, oh yeah, you know what, I like this main character, and I have a lot of reasons to not like the villains, um, which helps, definitely helps out the action, because a lot of these horror action flicks can sometimes just 
mix-up elements and sometimes makes the villains sometimes more sympathetic than the hero sometimes. Or, but it's it's good that the fundamentals are definitely being observed. Um, you know, gory, bloody action. You gotta love it. Uh, and it, it doesn't I also, try to be uh, pretentious. I also appreciate they got the license to, like, one song. And that should annoy me because they use it multiple times, but it's always used perfectly. Yeah, yeah. The soundtrack is minimal, which I think helps quite a bit of the tension. Because if this was a lot more soundtrack heavy, I think this would this probably would not have been as good of a movie as it is. Um, but to go back to your earlier point as well as you know, we could have made like the villains too sympathetic or too unsympathetic. I think we have a nice blend, right? Because yeah. the the parents are assholes. Uh, and I hate them. The aunt is a crazy person who I like, but also, like, not like. I just think she's really funny. She's um, just dedicated to the principal, and it's like, yeah, you take her seriously as a villain because she's just that crazy, and the actress does a great job. Who plays her? Because I feel like I've, I've seen a lot of these actors before in other stuff. Um, forget what her name is. Uh, no... There's Andy McDowell, though, I, I recognize. I recognize her. Um, Christian Brunn. There's, there's like a lot. There's like, you can't, I'm never exactly sure where I've seen them from, but I've seen their faces before. Yeah, for sure. Uh, but wh- while you're doing that. But then on the flip side, you have like the two main brothers who I think come off as very sympathetic. Um the one, not so much towards the end, but I think it's interesting how they handle that. Um, but my favorite family member has to be, uh, I think his name is Daniel. I'm terrible with names, even though I literally, yep, not Daniel. like 15 minutes ago, finished the show. Daniel. Daniel's my favorite because he's like the cynic and like, he he goes back and forth between believing in this and thinking they should all die anyway because they're terrible people. And uh, not believing in it and thinking they're terrible people. <laughs> I, I think the, uh, the end is played, I think, by a Nikki... Dan... Uh, I can't I can't pronounce her last name, unfortunately. Um, yeah, she does a great job. Uh, Adam Brody plays Daniel, as you were mentioning before. He's, he's great. Um, has not... That's where I recognize him from, Shazam. Really? He's in Shazam? Yeah. yeah. He's also who's, Thank You for Smoking as well. Who's he playing Shazam? I don't know. Um, he's, uh, just looking through. Well, he's not on the wiki. Oh, weird. But, but, he's, but, he, but he was cast in it. Oh. So, if anybody knows, let us know in the comments below or send us a message on Twitter. I'm curious. I like Shazam quite a bit. Uh, but it is not horror, so we will not be covering it in this channel. Uh, no. Coming soon, Haven of Superheroes with me, me and Milton. No, kidding. This is a full-time project, at least for me. Uh, and I and for Milton for as well, but uh, no funny. offense, Milton. I do a li- at least a little bit more. <laughs> um, yeah, for now. But, uh, for now. Oh. For now that I do more, or for now that it's part full-time? Are you trying to announce your department or departure? No, uh, no, I'd like to. <laughs> Like I say, I like to contribute more, that's all. Uh, yeah, no, for okay, sure. Okay, so Adam Brody played superhero Freddy. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. Yeah, okay, so, um, 
Uh, and then the sister is also really funny, and I feel bad for her in a way. Because she's trying, man. She's really trying. As a character, she's still dis- she's still despicable. Right? Yeah. Most of them are. But the only one I can really respect is uh, Daniel, because at least he tries not to play the game. He he yeah, tries in a way that, like, he's trying to be a good person. Yeah. She's trying in the way that I feel bad because it's that, it's the meme, right? Like, the, oh, you tried. Um, I also like that actress that plays her. Uh, she's on that, she's on one of those sci-fi original shows, Winona Earp. It's not, like, high art or anything, but it's a good, like, turn your brain off for an hour show. Uh, it's exactly what you think it is, too. A female version of Wyatt Earp in modern day with fantasy trappings. <laughs> but anyway, um, so basically, yeah, they the in-laws are all trying to kill Samara Weaving, and she has to basically outsmart them uh, until dawn, because if they don't sacrifice her by dawn, apparently they will all die. And I like that the movie doesn't necessarily paint them as... The movie is ambiguous about it until the end, right? Because she, throughout the entire movie, you're not sure if they're telling the truth or is this just a family legend that they believe and they're all crazy people. And they're not even fully sure, which I think adds a good element to it. Yeah. Which, um, in a way, makes a twist out of a not twist, in a way. I think it's put in a good way. Oh, the, the final, like, five, yeah. ten minutes is brilliant. Yeah. Um, because... Spoilers. Yeah, they spoilers. <laughs> uh, and it's dawn, and then they they all think, well, you know, nothing's happening. Maybe we've been wrong, right? And you're like, oh, is that going to be the like black comedy twist that they were misled this entire time and they did all this for nothing? And then the old woman explodes, yeah. and it's amazing. But my favorite part of that yeah. is when the record that's half melted starts playing that stupid. Run, run, run song. I don't know what it's actually called. Um, I say it's stupid, but it's also really catchy, and it's like, kind of like stuck in my head now. I'm gonna look it up actually. What this song is? But yeah, go uh, ahead. Yeah. And then they explode one by one. And this movie is not afraid of anything with its premise, right? Yeah, it doesn't show the kids explode, but it, it it's obvious that's what happens. And it's one of my favorite, like, gags at the end, right? Because she takes her kids and runs, and then the minute she's out the door, you just hear three explosions and blood goes everywhere. It's amazing. But yeah, the um, the track, I think, is um, from Headquarters Music. It's called the Hide... It, it's literally called the Hide and Seek Song. That makes sense. Yeah. But they have other things here. They have Unchained Melody by the Righteous Brothers, Love Me Tender by Chuck Jackson, uh, Ludwig oh, Beethoven's uh, Symphony Number no. 9, obviously, that, that definitely shows up quite a bit. I don't remember hearing any of those. There's a, there's a few other songs here, but it's it's far, in, it's far from each, each other, just so that tension can be built up in the silence, because sound is definitely a big element in some of the scenes present, because it's a, it's a hide-and-seek movie of sorts. Like, even cat and mouse between the protagonist and, you know, the crazy rich family. Yeah. And kudos for this movie as well as the protagonist. 
The protagonist isn't just smart because everyone else is stupid. She's legitimately clever at times. Like, she improvises and adapts to whatever her situation is. Um, and it, it does that thing, right, that so many movies nowadays have trouble with. It strikes a balance. She is smart. She is capable. She is not perfect. She gets the shit beat out of her in this movie. I mean, I don't know if I was supposed to, but I laugh when she gets her hand shot because her reaction is perfect. Well, for me, I felt, <laughs> I felt like a little sad because, oh yeah, the kids are just as damned as their parents. Yep. But other than that, yeah, it was definitely a, it was definitely it was definitely a, a reaction scene just to just to see, oh yeah, the the tensions are being raised. She's not safe from anyone now. Well, and part of it is also, like, her scream uh, is awesome. I don't know how she does that scream. That's going to be hell on vocal cords. You call her a scream queen. This, this is, that's one of the scenes that really, you know, supports that notion. Yeah. I'll have to show you some more of the movies that she, the babysitter, she makes that movie awesome. Oh, well, uh, watch them on Haven Horror. <laughs> um, we have a long list, folks, but we'll, we'll we get do. to... We'll get to them. We'll get to them. We do. Um, yeah, I mean, this is... I think, in a way, both of them are... Both of these movies this week are very simple films as well. We've had kind of a string of those, uh, minus last week. Last week was much more, like, complex things to talk about. Uh, I think The Hunt will have a little more to talk about, although some of that I don't know if I want to talk about on the internet. <laughs> But, uh, yeah, I mean, the main thing with Ready or Not is this is a get a group of friends together, watch this movie, you're going to have some laughs, you're going to have some gross-out moments, uh, people getting splurted with blood, people getting their hands blown open, heads blown off. Um, any real standout scenes for you or anything that really made you go like, oh, I like this movie a lot? Standouts definitely in the end. I think it was a uh, it was great with the characters finally just the the final moment where everything culminates and you get to see these these evil people get their comeuppance is definitely a standout thing. Um, the the scenes with the butler, the butler is pro is perhaps the most intimidating character of the bunch because he's just the most dedicated out of all of them. Um, the scene with the uh, Husband's betrayal is certainly is certainly a bit gut wrenching. Just to see what goes behind the scenes to eventually just push him to that point. He just gives up and he just lets the corruption take place. And there's there's a little bit of uh, just to bandwagon off your point real quick, and then I'll, I'll let you get back to it. There's a little bit of paralleling with him and his brother, right? Like because he's the one that struggles to get out. He gets out. And then he comes back, and he's he's still against it, but you can kind of see that maybe maybe he's not as against it as he likes to believe. Whereas Daniel is stuck, but he's all he is against it. He's miserable. He's stuck in a loveless marriage, uh, etc. So there's kind of like a parallel between them, but sadly they both end up in the same place. They do and they don't. It's not Daniel who suffers the consequences at the end, except of course for death. But he well, that's what I meant by same place. Oh, sure. Well, 
if there is an afterlife in this universe, because apparently there are demons or supernatural elements, maybe there is some redemption for Daniel. Who knows? Um, but they are all dead, certainly. As far as the protagonist is concerned, they can all go to hell. So, Well, and I mean, this, this isn't a movie that I want to discuss, like, the theology of, because they're not... They don't care. Like, the demon is just there as a a conceit for the film. He is just there. I didn't mean to put theology in it, but, um, you know... No, no, you're fine. I expect that from you. The film likes to at least give some some fact of, um, you know, Samara, like, recognizes that Daniel has tried to make things right. Um, which it definitely puts definitely a very very strong, like, uh, exposing light upon her husband because he just, he just fails at the end. Yeah. He has, he has every, like, means of escape by that point, but decides, well, if I'm not going to get anything out of it at the end, then what's the point? Yeah. And I, I think you could tell kind of at the end of the end, he, he, th- he knows he's made a mistake. Um, but I can't, uh, but it could, it's one of two things, right? It's him at the end knowing he's going to die and it's just like panicking. And he's like, well, you know, the, you're the one thing I did right. You know, I, I'm sorry. Or he legitimately feels bad for betraying her in that moment. What, what was your, your read on that? I think he does, but at the end, he's, in the end, he is a selfishly motivated character. And that that does take hold, and that is eventually his you know his critical flaw, because he he acknowledges that he's not going to get the girl at the end, which was this main motivating factor for you know doing everything that he was doing. So then, if he can't have her, he's going to sacrifice her, and that shows the critical flaw in his character that makes him a villain in the end. Well, and I I think the movie kind of. So I didn't notice that until this until this time, probably because this time I was watching it as like, you know, oh, I can talk about this and I could, you know, think about this. I think the movie is kind of setting it up the whole time because not only do you have the, the scene, of course, with his mother, who's like, you know, I know you better than you think I do. But w- when you think about it, if he didn't agree with his family's like tradition and their rules, he would have just eloped with this woman somewhere, right? And he wouldn't have experienced any of the consequences. He could have been, he could have been just out of the family's curse. Well, okay. Well, I don't agree with that part. There's nothing to say that he still wouldn't have died a horrible death at the end for him. But he wouldn't have put uh, his fiance slash wife through all that she went through that night. Well, I mean, granted. Well, okay. So let's say they eloped. And let's say they, they never had any involvement with the family at their wedding and they just completely escaped. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I, I don't think the movie wants us to think about that too much. It is definitely something to consider, though. Um, and and I don't think the movie does either, because the, the, the movie is built around its gags, right? Which is fine. I love films like that. But I, I think it is also kind of saying something about the character that he purposefully takes her back home to get married and when he knows that this will happen because even if you t- because no matter what if he had eloped or something he would have died 
Because the curse isn't, you don't have to be in the family. He's still blood related to them. And the way they talk about the curse is it's through the lineage. Which even if he escaped would still affect him. But he would rather put her through all of that than risk the chance of dying but keeping her safe. I think it's a, a consistent byline throughout this movie. Yeah, it definitely shows his selfish nature. Granted, and understandably selfish nature with that particular thing, but... See, but I don't... It does accumulate. But at the beginning, I don't think it's as understandable because he doesn't believe in the curse. Uh, he does and he doesn't because he was... It was all straight in the beginning of the scene, uh, at the beginning of the movie, that he was willing to, you know, sacrifice someone else. And just go along with it. There's always, like, in every game, because this, this movie is very obsessed with the idea of games, there's always an element of choice that's present. And eventually, your outcome is, depend is dependent upon the choices you make throughout your the life inside of the game. He could, he could have decided, even as a child, to do the right thing, but he decided not to. Well, um... Yeah, I mean, there's not a lot to go in depth about. I think we already went more in depth than than we really, than I really wanted to about a movie like this because this is like there's some good, interesting things here. But I mean, this is this is an escapism movie, right? Like you it's gotta have fun. Yeah. It's a simple movie with simple concepts, simple themes. Okay. Thirty minutes, not too bad. That's it. So, final thoughts and rating slash. Would you watch this? Let's see. Um. I'll give this movie, I'll give it a four. And yeah, I would watch this again. I would like to watch it with other people. Um, but yeah, I could, yeah, I would watch this again and would enjoy it. I think it's a good movie to put on with other people to watch, like a popcorn flick. Maybe get into some, maybe a bigger discussion if you have like more people who you know are interested in discussing it after they see it. But uh, you don't need to examine this deeply to enjoy it. And maybe if you do examine it deeply, you might find more stuff to enjoy about it. But it is, as you said, a simple movie. And that's not a bad thing. That's not a bad thing at all. That's Don't get me wrong, I like my complex, cerebral, like, the witch. But, I don't know, part of me likes just Ready or Not or, you know, Jason X or something, you know? Yeah, um, variety in your film diet. Sort exactly. Of. I'm going to give this a 4 out of 5 as well. I tweet with a 4.5, but I, I just don't feel it that high. Uh, I will absolutely watch this again. This is like my third or fourth viewing. Um, I I love Tamara Weaving. I will watch anything with her in it. You know that stupid Snake Eyes movie that's coming out this year or next year? Um, another game movie? Another what? Like another movie about games? No, Snake Eyes. the G.I. Joe Snake Eyes. Oh, yeah, you're... I completely went over my head. <laughs> I have not seen any of those G.I. Joe live-action films. The first one's alright. The first one's alright. It's oh, okay. kind of a mindless action movie, but... It's alright. Um, it's got um, uh, the Ninth Doctor in it. Whatever his name is. Uh, Christopher Eccleston, that's it. But anyway, um, yeah, this is a really fun movie. Great party movie. You know, get a group of friends together, turn it on, cheer when people go boom, uh, etc. So, 
moving on to one of the most controversial movies of 2020. I don't know if that's actually true, but it was controversial. I don't know if you got knew this, but it did get delayed because of uh, criticisms against the premise. Um, yes, um, I saw the poster for it. It definitely tries to mark it off the fact that it was delayed. Certainly. Um, yeah. If anyone has seen the poster, you, you see it on the wiki right there. And, and I, I think I think people were stupid because there's nothing that worth getting upset over in this film. But uh, we're reviewing 2020's The Hunt from Blumhouse. And uh, Austin's not here to give me a hard time about, you know, enjoying films. So um, The Hunt is, I'm just going to uh, summarize this. I can't speak English today. In one sentence, uh, basically a bunch of rich people hunt a bunch of gr- uh, poor people, and they nab the wrong. The main character got nabbed by accident, and she's a badass. So, because I'm dying to know, Belton, what did you think of the hunt? Um, there's definitely a there's definitely like a similar through line of like rich people kind of lording themselves over you know, people they consider to be below them, um, both in this movie and in Ready or Not. So I was already thinking, so I was already thinking of that because I watched Ready or Not first and then watched The Hunt. I saw the similar theme and I thought, oh, this is probably going to be something similar to Ready or Not, but it's going to be worse. Because, like, through, like, the first portion of this movie, we don't even get to the protagonist until, like, over 20 minutes in. And by that point, we've had a lot of this, the, the film language tells us, okay, this is the main character. Oh no, this is the main character. And this is the main character. And it's like, by that point, it's like, are we going to just switch from perspective to perspective and just watch people die? Because then it get it's weird, and then we finally get to her, and then oh, now the movie's a bit more consistent. Now I think I understand what's going on. So, it's a weird, I, in some ways I think, poorly paced start. But then it gets better throughout. I would say it's a it's a it's a fine movie. It's a simple movie. It has a lot of political overtones to it, and we'll get into some of that because there's some of that is good, some of that is not so good. (laughs) So this is my second viewing, Uh, and I remember the first time I watched this because I knew Emma Roberts was in it. If you don't know who who Emma Roberts is. She is the blonde at the beginning that gets shot, like, right away. Yes. I and, recognized her from uh, quite a few stuff, like, also in Nancy, the Nancy Drew movie from, like, oh. back in the day. Well, and this, it, so, to tie it back into the way we started the show, he is most famous now for being an American Horror Story, which is what made me curious to look up the show. But anyway, uh, and she's also in Scream 4, and she's amazing in Scream 4. So I figured, well, you know, she's a well-known, like, horror kind of actress. She's going to be the main character, right? Nope. And then it was like, and then this is the part that made me laugh the most. That, like, hunter guy that rescues her at the beginning? You know who that is, don't you? Oh, shoot. Um, I, I've i seen him in stuff as well. Um, he is Green Arrow in Smallville. Oh, no wonder I don't know. I haven't seen any of that scene. Oh, okay. He, let me just tell you, there's a lot that show gets wrong. It's Green Arrow. It's fantastic. Uh, 
But anyway, and so I like that actor a lot. So I was like, oh, he's going to be the main character. Nope. Uh, so I actually think the first 20 minutes, like, it's some of the best stuff in that movie for me, me personally. Because I like how it's kind of keeping you guessing. But it also is kind of upfront. Like, it shows the main character. It just doesn't draw attention to the fact that it's the main character. Uh, so I, I thought that was kind of fun, especially because it, it's not a dissatisfying, like subverting expectations. It's, oh, this, you know, this is the main character. Nope. It reminded me a little bit of the Scream 4 opening, which I like a lot, uh, which is funny because Emma Roberts. But anyway, yeah, and then you get into the main character finally. And I like her a lot. I've not seen that actress in anything else, but she's great in this movie. I've seen her before, just once again. Uh, Betty Gilpin. She's been in other stuff. Uh, she was in uh, Netflix's Glow. Um, she was in True Story. Um, she was in A Dog's Journey, which uh, no one should talk about because who cares. Um, she was also in the 2020 The Grudge. Yeah. Um, she she's been she's been in more TV than she has been in movies. Um, Law and Order. She did she did an appearance on that. The Good Wife. Law and Order. She seems to have she seems to get a lot of like one off roles in a lot of these TV uh, episodes. Um, Which makes sense because for this movie because they cast a lot of TV people. Yeah. Yes, a lot actually. It, it surprised me of how many things like oh. I don't remember where I've seen you from, but I know I've seen you. But, uh, yeah, so I, okay, I get that this movie is satire, but satire is supposed to be funny, and a lot of the satire in the second act, where it just boils down to these are the most stereotypical left-wing and these are the most stereotypical right-wing people, was not funny. This is where I might have a diverging opinion. I thought it was hilarious. I I actually was thoroughly entertained, and actually I thought this the ridiculous factor of it was actually freaking hilarious to me. Um, we also get the Sunny in Philadelphia actor there as well as like one of the main rich guys. Oh, you should. It's great. It's it's very funny. But I I will say um, I, I guess I shouldn't say it wasn't funny at all. Because what the one thing I did appreciate about the middle act is you have the two extremes, right? But your main character is not on either side of the extremes. He just wants to survive. So I appreciated that, and I and I appreciated that it wasn't just one side is represented in, in the extreme. It's both sides are ridiculous. But there were some things where it was just like, oh god, did you have to throw that line in here or that line? I think they really just want to illustrate because. Admittedly, while some things were did make me feel a little bit uncomfortable, I still went through it and I realized these ideas do exist, and I know they exist because I've been personal targets of both things over the years. And granted, they exist on fringes, but they do exist. So I don't know exactly what the object. Perhaps the objective of the hunt was to drum up a bit of attention because they were going to go into these topics thing is, of course, these topics are there just to be there. They're not necessarily there to actually help reinforce whatever the movie's trying to say. 
which I think does get my goat a little bit, though. But yeah. I can appreciate the protagonist because I really do like, and I, I love the character that Betty Gilpin is playing. She's and great. I like the fact that it's just one of the lines that I remember from her saying is that I don't really care why these people want to kill me. They want to kill me. Yeah. So I have to kill them. That's that's just how it is. That's the other guy that I recognized. Because the one she told that to is, uh, I think it's to Gary, uh, who he's in like a lot of TV stuff one-offs. Um, do you ever watch Boy Meets World back in the day? I, I watched a few episodes. Um, but yeah, I recognized him. I recognized Ethan the... Supley as well. He's been in like American History X, Remember the Titans and whatnot. Um, like Amy Madigan, Hillary Swank is also. You, you can obviously recognize Hillary Swank, yeah. especially considering you know, her presence in the movie. Ike Barinholtz, um, I've also recognized from a bit of a lot of uh, TV stuff as well. Um, yeah. It does not surprise me, though, that Damon Lindelof is one of the people who wrote this movie, though, because this movie does not have great writing in it, but it has great actors, I would say, to help, you know, elevate something. Is he one of the writers? Yeah, unfortunately. That is unfortunate. It's, like, directed um, by uh, Craig Zobel, who I know from nothing, but apparently he's done stuff. And there was a guy named Nick Cuse who wrote it. Along with Damon Lindelof. Uh, and Lindelof had a producer credit. That's a shame. I will say, even if not all of its ideas stick, this is extremely watchable. It's just a, like, survival film. Oh, yeah. Um, but, yeah, this... For anyone who's not aware, there was a lot of controversy about from the first trailer, because it just... It, it showed off the premise, right? People hunting people. And... It was people did what people do and they threw a hissy fit. Um, I think the idea that I latched onto the most was at the end when they reveal like why Hillary Swank and her people are doing this. I loved the idea that these people got targeted by cancel culture for something that they weren't even really doing, so they started doing what they got canceled for, which I think is probably the most hilarious thing of all. Honestly, it's amazing. Yeah, that's what this whole film should have been about. But we have to wait for the last twenty minutes to get there. Yeah, it's like these—it's these crazy people with like very, very low self-esteem that just we need this sort of we we need this sort of reinforcement from the public because we have we have the very poor character. We just we need the people to understand us. And it it just shows how crazy they are. Like, and that is the best satire in this entire movie. They got fired over a bunch of leaked text messages, so they decided to do what they were being accused of. It's amazing. It, it's if we had done more of that, and there was like little there's like little hints at that every so often, but they if they had leaned into that harder, I think we would have liked I think this movie would have been better. I think it would have, because if this whole movie was that third act where she's in the house, it would have been amazing. And it would have been a, like, biting satire. But instead, 
they waste the and this is going back to what I said. As much as I like how they're handling some of the stuff in the second act, they're wasting that entire second act just making fun of the of the two political parties, but not actually saying anything about them. I'll grant some of this if they want to really. I understand what they were trying to do, at least to a certain extent, because they do want to make fun of the political polarization between both things and showing that you don't let, there's no reason like any of these sorts of people showing how that they're disgusting is good for the story, but sometimes they do it too much. It's like, we get the point. Let's move on. Is what they should have done. At least we got a lot of, you know, at least we got a lot of like country girl, you know, just shooting a lot of people and showing people just, I don't care about the politics. Just practically speaking, let's just live our lives and try to be as responsible as we can be in the moment, not be involved, be busybodies in other people's beliefs. Two things. One, of course I agree with you. Um, Fuck, I forgot the first one now. I'm sorry. (laughs) Okay, so, oh, the first one was, I want to know how they got Hilary Swank into this movie, because she's like a big name actress in like real films. I want to know who she owed a favor to for this $14 million movie. Um, the second thing is, without looking, can you guess what film she made her debut in? Hilary Swank? Mm-hmm. Oh, man, I've seen her in a few things. I... It's a minor role, but it is her film debut. Uh, I did see another movie called The Hunt, but I don't think that's the one you're talking about. Um. Don't I look. Go in the okay. I, I'm drawing a blank, man. I'm sorry. I should know a bit more, but I don't. Buffy the Vampire Slick. Really? It all comes full circle. Really? I Have I seen her yet? We're in season three right now. No, 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 no. Not the show. She's in the movie. The movie. The movie. But I, I just thought that was ironic. It's, it keeps coming back to Buffy. Yeah, it does. That's so weird. Uh, yeah, that movie has a crazy cast. Uh, Donald Sutherland, Rutger Hauer, David Arquette, Ben Affleck in an uncredited cameo. Dude, Seth Green played a vampire in the movie. That's really funny. Anyway, we'll, we'll talk about When we watch that, uh, I'm going to have to keep an eye on. But I, I just, I wanted to bring that up because it was kind of relevant to the film. And then I got sidetracked. That is interesting. I, I don't know how they got Hillary Swank into this. Um, there are two production companies for this movie. We have Blumhouse Productions, obviously. We also have a company called Rabbit, Rabbit Pro- Productions. So... I would imagine that a lot of this, the budget, this budget, the budget for this movie was $14 million. So I imagine a lot of that probably went to the big name actress, Hilary Swank. They got profit off of it, though. They got $16.2 million at the box office. But guess they the rule of thumb, the rule of thumb with those things is so, the, whatever it may, took to make the movie double, right? Yeah, there has to be in consideration for the marketing budget as well, plus, like, a lot of other, you know, costs as well. 
I think that Ready or Not did a lot better, though, because they had a much smaller budget of $6 million, but got, like, 57.6 million bucks from their box office. So, shows how well a low-budget movie can do. Yeah. I mean, shit, look at, uh, and, like, I think the remake of Child's Play did amazing. But also, like, The Hunt wasn't going to do great. It came out, like, in the middle of the pandemic, and it was a rent-at-home thing. And like the Twitter mob and whatnot decided to just have a have a hissy fit, and I imagine that didn't help out. Or well, keeping uh, uh, maybe it would have drummed up more attention to the movie, and I guess no press is bad press. So who knows if this movie? Well, they they played into it with the poster. If you're on the wiki page, yeah. look at the poster. Oh, I know. Uh, but to be fair to the film as well, I actually think its box office is pretty impressive, considering it was only in theaters for a week. Before uh, COVID hit. It's a shame. I don't think this movie should have gotten as much controversy as it did. It's just a, it's just a basic action movie. Well, and like, that's what I was saying. It was like, Blockhouse does some good stuff. Even if it's just kind of campy, like, turn your brain off stuff. Uh, like, they always at least put out an entertaining film. And if anything, this is entertaining. There was big star talent in this movie. Um, hey, what's up, Noah? Fun. How's it going, man? Hey. Hey, Noah, how are you doing? Um, but yeah, not not a whole lot of music in this movie. Like, every so often we get a few tracks, but it's one of the movies where we just want to let Silas kind of just ramp up the tension. We don't need a lot of big music to, you know, enhance the action. So. Yeah. Other than I think it's the, there's that like one scene where it starts playing that Mississippi song. Yeah, that, that was a little weird, but. Yeah, this movie was uh, distributed by Universal, you know, go figure. In some ways, I'm actually kind of surprised that Universal wanted a movie like this to come out, considering all the political charge that was kind of behind it. Um, but, yeah. I, I feel like Blumhouse at this point has enough pull with these kinds of movies that they could probably get this released. I could be wrong. I, I don't know how the politics in Hollywood go, and I don't really care, <laughs> just to be brutally honest with you. Um, it's a it's a complicated mess. So I don't know. That's that's a topic for a different time. Yeah, uh, I, I'm going to be honest. I was a little nervous to do this film because this is obviously a very politically charged film, both within and without outside of the movie. Um, but I, I think we did a good job of maintaining a neutral uh, neutral stance and just talking about what the film is saying. So I, I appreciate that because obviously I don't want you know, an angry mob in the comments down below. For any of the conservatives out there that might be offended at, the, at this movie, not all the conservative ideas here are shown to be wrong. There are certain people who do get things right within the context of this movie. Um, so some of it is fair. And to any of the hard left, it's a girl power movie. It, that, that's what it is. Well, it's always it's always good to see you, Noah. Uh, glad you could pop in. 
we'll be doing these with Saturdays at uh, 6 p.m. Uh, going forward. Uh, new schedule. I'm I'm exhausted by the time 11 comes around. I don't think I could form a coherent thought. Uh, but uh, yeah, I mean, this movie does a good job at, at poking fun of both sides. It's not the best satire I've ever seen. But if you, you, the satire is serviceable, but it, it remembers that its first job is to entertain. And that's, for me personally, a movie can have all the great ideas and themes and all that stuff in the world. If it's boring, I'm going to give it a low score. I am there to be entertained first and foremost. That's me personally. If you feel otherwise, you know, feel free to let us know. We're always happy to hear from other, points of view uh except for people who like the last jedi no i'm kidding i just opened a wormhole there i'm sorry forgive me uh <laughs> another cover haven of star wars out of that oh <laughs> god um, um yeah i mean there's not much else that i have to say about this uh so i'm gonna ask milton final thoughts well, I do have a final thought that might get into a bigger thing. So, okay. have you read Animal Farm? You're you're gonna you know quit when I say that I haven't. Well, I I just I thought I'd bring up the idea because the film brings it up. Um, yeah, the the whole idea of snowball kind of being a, a theme in this idea. The so do you know what Animal Farm is about? More or less. I know it's about sentient animals, but that and it's like a metaphor for like the governmental control or something like that. It is. It's um to basically give a general idea, George Orwell, which is a pseudonym for a person's real name that I can't remember right now. It's an analog for the rise of uh you know the USSR. Mm. Um Snowball is is one of the pigs who essentially tries to essentially tries to be a candidate for the leader of Animal Farm. He's basically a um, kind of a parallel to Trotsky, as opposed to uh, his his enemy, uh, Napoleon, who is uh, an analog for uh, Stalin. Um, S- Snowball is uh, shown to at least be a more or less reasonable thinker, but of course you have Napoleon who goes in and utilizes a lot of power dynamics to essentially force Snowball out. By which I mean he gets a lot of dogs to kill Snowball. And a prop of Snowball is like this boogeyman against the state. Um, but the, there's the idea of Snowball's ideas kind of being, hopefully being hope for Animal Farm that's trying to set itself apart from human society. Um, the idea of these characters kind of calling each other Snowball within this movie, The Hunt, I think is interesting. I'm not sure if it works fully within the story because I don't think it's integrated properly. It seems like it's tacked on. So I, I could be talking and likes literary references. I don't know how I feel about how it works in the movie. So I could be talking out of my ass here because I haven't. Um, I, I I just want to tell everyone here that I'm a fraud. I haven't read any of uh, Orwell. Um, I want to at some point, but. Uh, the idea is supposed to be they give her Snowball because they think that she's the one that went on on that website and commented, like, there's evidence and such. She's a hopeful thinker that they'll get arrested based on a joke. 
but it doesn't fit our protagonist because that's not who our protagonist is. I think that's supposed to be the idea. That is. I don't know if that works, but for Hiller, Hillary Swank, the villain, to say you're more of a snowball than I am. Because her Hillary Swank's character is crazy. She wants everything to fit her worldview, even the fact that there could be that there is evidence that supports the idea that she's wrong. She's willing to ignore it just to make herself right. Or well, yeah, I mean, when their first interaction is her being like, "Is our our main character Snowball for or uh, what was it, Crystal?" Like the better term, Crystal, I think is her name. Um, being like. Yeah. You got the wrong person. You know, there's two of us in that in that town. And she's like, no, I know that I got the right one. You are the one. You were the one who, you know, went on there and spelled it the, this way. And she doesn't believe her until, to circle back to your point, she realizes this woman is well-educated, has read Animal Farm. And in her worldview, anybody who's read Animal Farm and is, is at least somewhat educated could not be the same person whose backstory she described, which is unfortunate. Unfortunately, that backstory that we are given for this un- unmet crystal is very real and happens in America today. I would say what this film, of course, tries to say is just because you're highly educated doesn't make you a good person. Or yeah. if you're not educated at all, doesn't mean you're a bad person. Um, it's like not everybody is the sum of what they're nurtured to be. Their people are should be judged by their actions. Okay, so I'm going to go back to the second act. I think it's the second act, or maybe it's the third act. But the scene where they're revealing like how they pick who's going to be in this game, yeah, that did make me laugh quite a bit. Because uh, they, they land on the black guy, and they're like, we can't oh. put him in there. It's like, but yeah, we have to. I mean, we need racial diversity <laughs> for victims, right? It's, it's like, and it's, you find out that, that they they just picked Green Arrow because he hunts animals. He hunts he hunts the rhino, as you yeah. can see in the big game, big game hunting thing. It's definitely an identitarian thing that's going on with that whole picking thing. I could imagine that if something like that was to happen, that's probably how that conversation would go. Unfortunately, I just I just want to know what Emma Roberts did because we we don't know. She's just there, which I think is oddly hilarious in some ways because you have this big name actress or like someone big name actress. You focus on her and then you just freaking shoot her in the the head. <laughs> well, it's the screen thing, right? You yeah. start off with her and you you make her th- you make the audience think she's the protagonist, and then you kill her. Yeah, um, I'm glad you brought that up, though, because I guess there was a little bit more to say, but I know it's it's hard with this movie to think, like, to narrow down, you know, what to talk about and what's not worth talking about, because there's, there's stuff like the gas station that it's just a fun scene, you know? Oh, okay. Since I brought up the gas station, that does have a great joke where he goes to drink the soda and she's like, that's poison, and he spits it out. She's like, you drink the soda, too? How? It's like no, it's got so much sugar in it. Oh, if if I I couldn't stand 
either either one of those characters. But if I was married to someone like that, I was like, okay, just get off your high horse for a second here. Yeah, just be like, oh, scoff. <laughs> you made me think I was in danger. No, she was a very judgmental character in that whole scene. Granted, so was he in his own way. But um, Also, yeah. I, I did kind of find... It was like... I can't decide if it's cringy or funny. But the one guy that says he's from Florida and it's got like just like a basketball jersey and like tattoos and <laughs> I can't lie. I know people who look of, like that. Yeah, and the whole Florida man thing has a precedent to it, so <laughs> Yep. I mean we don't I mean, of course, stereotypes do not define you know, people just based on where they are, but it just so happens sometimes if you're well, in a place... I don't know. It's... Well, this and... Movie definitely plays with identitarian stuff all the time. And, and this movie is clearly built is clearly a satirical film. Uh, and I, I find, at least in my experience, a lot of satire is built off of, you know, making fun of those stereotypes. Uh, I don't know if they're really making fun of him. He's just kind of there. But it doesn't surprise me when a stereotype shows up in a movie like this. Yeah, I think they're poking fun at. I think they're poking fun at a lot of these types. Um, the war vet, as well as like another um, an archetype that's present in this movie. I think with at least two of these characters, where one is like a badass despite the fact that he's wounded, but the guy who shot in the arrow with a fence scene. And you also have the war vet who's has this veneer of being tough, but is really just a coward. I'm glad you mentioned the war vet, because I, I forgot about him. So, the movie leaves it kind of ambiguously if he was working for them or not. Fuck off, Steve. I mean, I don't care. Sorry, guys, you're going to see that in the video. But uh, anyway, so what do you think? Was he working with... Uh, I don't think he was, and I don't think that it tracks against the main character, because this guy clearly has issues, and all he had to do was cooperate. If he had done that and was, you know, trusting of the person who has clearly, clearly put in a lot of work to keep both of them alive, he would not have had to die. Plus, I, plus we didn't see him in that uh, selection scene, so I think that's one of the reasons why I don't think that he was one of them, but... Granted, of course, we didn't get everyone in that scene either where they did the selection process, so who knows? The film leaves it ambiguous, um, which I'm fine with, because um, even Hilary Swank just wants to just pull in Crystal into her craziness. Yeah. To say what it, true truth is what I deem it to be, and Crystal says, no, it's, you're a crazy person, you can't fully trust what you believe right now. Yeah, and I mean, normally I hate when things leave it ambiguous like that. Like, I, I'm a, I'm the kind of guy that I like a clear, definitive answer. But with something like this, it's fine. Because uh, then at least right into the fight scene, which, at least in my opinion, was wonderfully done. Um, minus maybe like one or two scenes that I thought the main character had to be dumbed down a little bit for a gag. Like when she swings off that thing and then falls. It felt like we just did that to give the to give Hillary Swank a more fighting chance, um, but overall, I thought the final fight was really well. 
I like the final fight. It's it like has the brutality of um you seen the Punisher on Netflix? Oh yeah. At least season one. Yeah, I love like some of the season one fights of the Punisher. It kind of like almost matches that sort of brutality for me. Um still doesn't quite compare to the Punisher, but uh but I like this one too. Well, um, anything else we should cover, or should we move for real this time into final thoughts? Uh, they have a bunker, and that's cool. I also, I also have some technical elements. I love the fact that this movie does understand it understands how guns work, which is great. Um, you definitely get the whole like, yoink! I take the uh, the magazine out of the gun. No more bullets. It's like, no, there's going to be a bullet in the, you know, in the chamber right there. Just because you take it out doesn't mean all the bullets out of the gun are gone. And I can appreciate details like that. Just technical details that just really wrap the movie together. Um, you also get some, you know, realistic uh, effects like no one's going to be fully accurate with a bow all the time. Which I can appreciate. Um, yeah. Some of the technical elements that I, they get right, I can praise it for. I give this movie—it's like comparing apples and oranges. I, but I'm going to give it a four out of five. Wow. I know. I might change. I might change it later. This is a movie I would watch again. Um, watch it with people. Yeah, for sure. I'm going to give this a three out of five. Uh, I think this is a very well done, entertaining film. But I think this movie's trying too hard to have a message, and I can't ignore it when it's trying that hard. And I think that message is is mixed, is jumbled in second act, but finds itself in that final act. And if the whole movie was that final act, this would be a four out of five piece. Uh I would watch this again, preferably with people, like maybe like in a Discord movie night or one night or something. Um we could but, bring it up later. Do we want to watch this movie again tonight? <laughs> uh, not tonight, but if you want to watch a couple episodes of Buffy, I am down. Um, but yeah, so normally we would spin the wheel here, but I've already picked out two movies for next week. Ooh. Yes, I and uh, this was, it was actually, if we'd been smart, we would have done it this weekend, but by the time I realized it, too many wheels were already in motion, and I didn't want to be like, hey, you know, watch these instead and hope that you saw the message. And I was like, fuck it, we'll just do it next week. So next week, we are doing two Zack Snyder films. Uh-huh. 2004's Dawn of the Dead, and the movie that just came out yesterday, Army of the Dead. See why I said we would have done it this weekend. Yeah, um, I but I didn't do it. I didn't uh, plan for it right. Um, so yeah, I will post those on Instagram, uh, but those are what we were doing. We will not be changing any plans. It'll probably be just me and Milton, uh, cause I don't think Austin wants to watch those, unfortunately, but we'll see. But anyway, um, yeah, uh, probably it, there may be a gaming stream tomorrow, but it probably will be just me playing either Days Gone or something to that effect. I think Milton is busy tomorrow. Uh, I think you had told me that you were doing something tomorrow. But I don't remember. Um, we'll, we'll talk later. Yeah, yeah. We'll but just for quick announcement. So yeah, we will see you guys next week, Saturday, 6 p.m. Uh, for Dawn of the Dead and Army of the Dead.
Uh, we appreciate you guys. Thank you so much, and we'll talk to you later. Thank you for watching, everyone.